Get fast, reliable speeds at home and on the go with internet and mobile from Xfinity. Switch to Xfinity Internet with unlimited data included so you can do more of what you love online. There's no annual contract required, so it's risk-free, and it comes with a two-year internet rate guarantee. Plus, when you add Xfinity Mobile, you'll get connected to the fastest mobile service, and you'll get major savings. Go to Xfinity.com faster, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Elisa Pospakova, the founder of Kindroot. Kindroot offers plant-based lozenges infused with vitamins, adaptogens, herbs, and aromatherapy flavors. They're gluten-free, made with organic ingredients, and made here in the United States. In this episode, I chat with Elisa about what inspired her to launch Kindroot, how she was able to get her products into retailers and stay in them, her advice on growing a business independently, and much more. Let's get into the show. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'm excited to learn more about what you're doing with your company, Kindroot. But before we begin, can you just start by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about your career background? Yeah, definitely. My name is Elisa. I now am a founder of a supplement brand called Kindroot. Previously to that, I spent about 17 years in consumer products and brand management. So I worked on a lot of health and wellness brands, Palm Wonderful Juice, Wonderful Pistachios. I worked for a yoga company called Mendipa Yoga. I worked in beauty, really been kind of entrenched in launching products and then launching brands as well. That's such a nice experience to have before starting your own company. Thank you. Yeah, I think it definitely helped with knowing how to create a vision. But, you know, ultimately, I always say like, nothing really prepares you for entrepreneurship. I think it's like the grit and the ability to work through tough situations that makes you successful. But it's been nice to sort of have the foundation of knowing how to build a brand and launch a product for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you tell me how the idea for Kind Root came to be? Yeah. So I, you know, was like your typical sick child and then kind of a immune deficient adult. And then I also had a really stressful career managing really, really large brands and traveling a lot. There was a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I just feel like I'm getting sick every single time I travel, every time I have a meeting. And so I kind of committed to taking a year and spending the time on myself. And as part of that, I was doing a lot of yoga. I started working with a naturopath and acupuncturist and really understanding like the root cause of some of my deficiencies. She really introduced me to this world of herbs and adaptogens. And after taking them for a couple of months, I really started noticing a big difference in my body and how I felt. And so I jumped right into it. I started taking classes and I did an herbalist apprenticeship. As I was doing that, I was traveling with my herbs and TSA stopped me because they were just in these like Ziploc bags. And they were like, what is this? They let me go. But as I was traveling, I was traveling with lozenges for a cough and I was traveling with all these like vitamins. And that is when there was this idea, oh, maybe I can actually mix the two. And I can think of a lozenge as a delivery method rather than just something that only does one function. It would be incredible to have this delicious lozenge that had melatonin and ashwagandha and would have this whole flavor and sensory. That's really how it came together. You were taking like the herbs and adaptogens and putting them into like a fast, quick, easy delivery method mm-hmm. that you that you also were using. So it's kind of like a three in one, basically. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Absolutely. I always say two in one, but now that you told me, I was like, it actually is a three in one. So I think I like that better. <laughs> and for anyone who's unfamiliar, can you like explain what adaptogens are? Yeah, absolutely. So adaptogens are their special class of herbs and then also mushrooms. They work by regulating the stress in your body. If you think of a thermostat, like if you're running too hot or you're running too cold, whether you have too much stress or maybe not enough activity of movement, they kind of help you bring you back to that your optimal level. And there's a variety of them. And some of them are better for energy. Some of them are better for relaxation. Some of them are great for brain activity like lion's mane. But ultimately, all of them are really, really beneficial, truly incredible for our bodies. Is there another reason why you chose lozenges as the delivery method? Or do you feel like we kind of touched on that already with it being like simple and easy to travel with and everything like that? I looked at the lozenge category at the time and I remember thinking, wow, nobody has really done any interesting innovation. And it was surprising to me because if you were to look at like gummies or chocolate, like there's just so many infusion, there's like rows and rows of availability. And so I kind of was like, well, it'd be interesting. Like I like the idea of having a really unique product. And there are actually some benefits to having it in a lozenge, you know, things that you like swallow or chew have to go through your digestive system. It kind of takes time for them to work. The beautiful thing of you taking anything that kind of absorb, starts to absorb directly in your mouth tissues like lozenges is that they start absorbing and they go into your bloodstream right away. So people tend to feel the effects a little bit faster, especially when you're traveling. You can't wait for things to kick in. Yeah. And I actually never thought about that. It's true. We see so many gummy varieties mm -hmm. now. We haven't really seen that innovation in lozenges. I honestly mm -hmm. never thought about it, but that's cool that you're kind of filling in that market gap you saw. Mm -hmm. What did the first couple of months look like in getting your business off the ground? I kind of right away, I had a really clear idea for like the brand and the blends. I sort of knew what my favorite herbs were, how I wanted to mix them. So I really spent a lot of time trying to understand the market. So I was going to, you know, CVS and Walgreens doing a lot of research online. Like what are the pricing dynamics? Who are the major manufacturers? Like just really kind of entrenching myself in the category. I did a lot of fun stuff, like putting together Pinterest boards for brand vision. And, and I wanted to really give myself time to pull that together. The third step, which was actually kind of the hardest, is that I was like, well, let me start researching some manufacturing partners and see like, what would the pricing, like what would be the minimum orders would be like, what is that kind of economic actual production part would look like? I spent about six months calling and researching all of these factories to zero success. I mean, I pretty much have people telling me like, we don't work with startups or we don't make a product like that, or we could try to make a product like that, but you have to, you know, our minimum order is like 3 million pieces or like just crazy, crazy things. And that was actually a point where like, I think I came really close to giving up because I sort of was like in that sense of like feeling like somebody had to help me manufacture the product. And then I have this thinking shift um, and I just thought, well, you know what, I'll just figure out how to make it myself. And so I kind of pivoted and found a candy scientist and I hired her and she came on board and the two of us like figured out a production process. I started looking at a commercial kitchen that was like not too far from my house. We really started pulling things together like health permits, buying ingredients, validating them, all of that kind of stuff. And I ended up launching the brand about 18 months after my initial kind of idea for it by hand making it actually here, here in California. 
I just have to say candy scientist might be the coolest job title I've ever heard. <laughs> I totally, I totally agree with you. She's actually in the candy hall of fame too. So wow. I always tell her that uh, she's a candy hall of fame scientist. That's so cool. <laughs> Two follow-up questions there. Mm-hmm. One, you said you almost gave up. What was it mm-hmm. that you feel helped you keep going? You know, I was talking to my friends and my boyfriend and they were really the ones that encouraged me to think through it. And I think ultimately for anybody owning a small business, like that's key, having a great support system. And I think it was actually one of my friends and my boyfriend who was like, well, can you just make them yourself by hand? And I was like, no, because it's a dietary supplement. And like, it seems so complicated. And there are a lot of complicated rules and regulations, but I think that was that question that pushed you outside of like your usual thinking stream of where I was kind of locked in was really kind of allowed me to jump out of it and just and just think like maybe I don't actually need anybody to start and that I would say like completely changed the progression of the business it changed how fast I launched Um, it allowed me to actually launch with a lot less capital because I wasn't like buying huge inventory orders or you know committing it allowed me to stay flexible because I was producing like smaller batches time by time I had time to like change the blends and it also quite honestly allowed me to really learn the product inside and out so that when I went to actually work with a manufacturing partner, not only I think like I could screen them better, but I ultimately think it made me a better partner to them. So inspiring that you kind of just bit the bullet, so to speak, <laughs> and did it anyway. What were some of the like regulations you had to consider creating a dietary supplement yourself? Yeah. Is It falls into that category, correct? It does. So it falls into um, into that category. So there's very specific good manufacturing practices like CGMPs that you have to follow. You have to ensure traceability over what you're producing. You have to test your suppliers and everything that is coming in. You have to store them in the right way. And then of course, as you're producing things, you have to make sure that you're very exact with your measurement. You need to make sure like there's nothing contaminated. And there's kind of a lot of very intricate and specific paperwork that is involved. I spent about a month like just going to webinars and reading these pages on FDA's um, website. And then I actually, I hired a consultant as well. She actually came in and helped me put together like a whole stack of documents. And then I, when I had my FDA inspection, which you have to do for dietary supplements, everything was, was in order. There's a lot of people who would actually tell you that you cannot manufacture dietary supplements on your own. You definitely can, but it is much more complicated than just producing a food item. I imagine they say you can't do it at home because most people aren't going to put in the effort to do it like you did because it does sound like so much work. But when you went to the manufacturer, you like mm-hmm. really, really knew your stuff when it came to your product. Yeah, I know. And I, now that I've sort of been in business for a couple of years, like I see a lot of startups that start, launch, go nowhere. And so I can also kind of understand from manufacturing side, I'm like, oh, I was probably one of 20 people that was calling them that week. So by the time I actually did go the second route and start looking at more partners, like I had a product, I was already in distribution and they knew that I knew what I was doing. So it's like, I was just a lot more of a legit business. Quite honestly, in retrospect, I'm really happy that it worked out the way it did. I needed that time to figure things out and learn the product. It was, it was actually really good. I do want to get more into like your growth and everything like that in a little bit, but first I would mm-hmm. love it if you could share some of the blends that you offer as well as their benefits. Yeah, definitely. So we have five blends. We have one for sleep, 
which is our most popular called Snooze that has melatonin, ashwagandha and lavender vanilla. It's just like the most soothing, delicious, very slightly sweet lozenge. So that's, you know, great to take 30 minutes before bed if you have like trouble occasionally falling asleep. We have a mood flavor that is focused on stress relief and that has L-theanine, which is an amino acid that helps to like promote good serotonin levels and dopamine. And it has reishi mushroom, that's an adaptogen. We have a blend for immunity with vitamin C and reishi mushroom. From the blend perspective, I really wanted to sort of offer key kind of usage occasions. And so we know that things like sleep, mood, immunity, and productivity are always like top of mind for, for everyone. When we first spoke, you talked about intentionally wanting to grow your business independently. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me more about that and why it's important to you? Yeah. You kind of keep always hearing about people raising money and raises and hiring people and just like growth, growth, growth. So I kind of assumed that I was like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to have to raise money and launch. And, you know, part of that work that I was doing the first three months was actually putting together this business plan full of projections because I thought I would need all this money to buy all the stock and then try to sell all the stock before it expired, right? And then I didn't need that. So I launched on my own and I launched with my own money because like, you know, it was pretty flexible. And as I started to actually grow the business, I, I kept on thinking like, oh, in three months I will raise and six months I'll raise. But as I started doing it, I was like, the thing that I actually enjoy the most is the total control I have over creative and strategic vision over my company and just really kind of creating this company that I always wished I could work for. That completely shifted my thinking to where, you know, I was no longer really as focused on like sales and revenue. I mean, of course you always are, right? Like your business has to, it's a business. <laughs> um, but I became really, really protecting, protective over this like new thing I was growing that was just giving me a lot of fulfillment. It doesn't mean that long-term I'm not open to investment, but I think that I'm very conscious of the fact that I would want to do it on my own terms and not lose its authenticity, chasing growth. That's a good point. Cause a lot of people think about getting investors as like the next step mm-hmm. in growing a business, but you do have to think about losing that control because all of a sudden you're not reporting to yourself, you're reporting to mm-hmm. people. And then you have goals that you have to meet, not for yourself, like not for your own vision, but for them. And yeah. so it's just like a whole other ball game when you have stakeholders to report to. So I can definitely see the benefits of that. I'm curious if you have advice for someone wanting to grow their business independently as well, like without investors. For me, I'm really kind of mindful now of staging new strategic things that I'm doing. And I kind of like pick a month and I say, this month I'm going to revamp all of my email flows. I read, I learn, maybe I hire some kind of consultant, but I ultimately do it and get it to the point that it's stable, it's moving in the right direction. It's very easy to take on too much and then all of a sudden you're spending way too much money and you're like not sure where the results are coming from. The second thing that probably made the biggest difference is seeking out other entrepreneurs who are doing it the same same way. That is where you're really going to learn the most is from people who are like spending roughly the same amount of money who are in the same boat at the same stage. And so I now have like this amazing group of probably five or six people that I talk to regularly and we exchange ideas and we introduce them to other people and we like really kind of help each other's businesses grow. Yeah, that makes sense. And then of course, like being a solopreneur comes with being able to accomplish your goals 
by motivating yourself. I think that's one thing people sometimes struggle with, but has there been any mentors or helpful resources that have really benefited your startup journey so far? Yeah. So there's quite a few really great like Slack groups or Facebook communities. And I'm aware kind of of the ones that are in the CPG space. So there's like one called Indie CPG. There's one that's called, um, I think, OMG CPG on kind of Facebook. But I think there's like all of these groups, like within all the different like verticals. Um, And quite honestly, that's been an incredible resource because I can just like go on Facebook, post a question. And it's kind of incredible. Like within 30 minutes, I can have like six or seven recommendations. People are so interested in like sharing and providing value. And I do it all the time. Like as soon as the little notification comes up, I'm like, can I answer this question? If you're like willing to look for it, there's a lot of like free insights and resources from people in your same kind of community who are really willing to share and help each other. Even though you all are in the same space, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of competition in a negative way. So it's cool that everyone's just like willing to help and share what they've learned. Yeah. Your products are currently available not only on your website, but also in stores like Erewhon, Thrive Market, and more. What was the process like to get into those retailers? And were there any big lessons learned along the way that you can share? It was actually quite varied. I mean, some of them we personally like pursued and applied to. For example, Erewhon was always like on top of my list. So as soon as we launched, we started reaching out. And a lot of retailers have like, you know, if you go like a retailer slash vendor a lot of times or you look in their footer like they'll have very specific ways that you can like apply we did that and we've now been with air one for two and a half years so it's been kind of amazing some of them like anthropology actually reached out to me they have people called foragers who like specifically seek out new brands they actually found me on instagram through hashtag so that's just kind of a lesson like whatever you're doing in social media buyers are out there they're also people they notice, so you don't necessarily have to think of your like retail outreach and consumer outreach as two separate, two separate things. From the learning standpoint, don't be afraid to say no. Um, you know, I had a retailer, I initially said no to them. Um, they, cause I, I thought they were too big. I didn't think we were like the right fit. I thought we were too expensive. They came back a couple of months later and they like really, really asked me to work with them. And I finally kind of like caved in. And then two months later, like the product didn't work. Like I was right. It was too early. It wasn't the right fit. That kind of validated that, you know, you have to be selective with the partnerships. Which is tempting to like not want to be in a store, but you have to think about what it takes to maintain that space. And if it's really worth your time and money investment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because there's always that pull. Because of course I want a PL, like I want a revenue today, especially in like a self-funded business cash flow is critical. So it is really something to say, yes, like I look at a opportunity, not as like a PO, but as like, do I have enough bandwidth to support this retailer? And the way we do it now is like, I try to focus on one bigger partnership, kind of a quarter. We just launched with Target and I'm spending time every day checking sales, doing things, posting, reaching out, kind of get it to a place where I feel like, okay, it runs well. And then you know, come fall, like we have another um, partnership that we're working on that kind of allowed me to be not just get into retailers, but stay in them too. What was it like seeing your products in store for the first time? I I can kind of tell you that like every time is still the first time in a sense, like it's still sort of um, 
surreal, but I do, the first account we ever had was the flea market in New York and they've been a phenomenal partner and I've been able to grow with them from one store to, I think they now have five and they have one in Vegas and they're like really expanding. And yeah, I mean, I remember I took a red eye to go train them and I walked in and they were there on the shelf and I had like this total wow moment. And then um, they have a spot area. So I kind of went into them, was talking to them. And as I was walking out, there was a woman actually at the cash register purchasing one of the products. And that was the first time I saw anybody actually like physically buy it. And that was incredible. And I think I was a crazy person because I like came up to her and was like, I'm the founder. Thank you for buying it. I gave her like an extra free bag for buying the other bag. But that like, I totally remember the way she looked. I remember what she was dressed dressed in. Like it was definitely a very pivotal moment for me. Yeah, what a cool moment. That's awesome <laughs> that not, not only did you get to see it on the shelf, but being purchased in the same, mm-hmm. like the same moment. That's awesome. What is some of the feedback you've gotten from customers since launching Kind Root? One of the things that was interesting is that I was developing the brand and the product, like I thought for like a millennial consumer. And I actually found out that for a snooze skew, like 55 plus really enjoys it. Like they found, find it a little bit nostalgic. They love, they don't have to swallow a pill. And so that was a really interesting epiphany that I started getting emails from like a lot of older ladies who were like, thank you so much for creating this. It's my little treat at the end of the night. And it was totally unintended. And now I, I have them in mind anytime I formulate something. And that was actually one of the ways I developed the immunity skew. We came up with this kind of retro orange float flavor for it is because I wanted to kind of give another nod to like a retro um, inspired flavors that I knew both the millennial and the Gen Z, but also maybe like the boomer demographic would like as well. Yeah, when I was reading some of the reviews, not only was it like best sleep ever, people were like <laughs> loving it, but some of um, them were commenting about how good the flavors were like, mm-hmm. were um, tasting like a creamsicle and just like really yeah. mm-hmm. not overly sweet, but that they really like the flavor profiles. I'm curious if you are currently still a team of one or what your team looks like today and if you have plans to expand in the future. I'm really fortunate to have some really amazing freelancers um, who work for me and then also friends who have joined kind of on a part-time consultant time basis. So a great friend of mine, Whitney, who was sort of like right from the beginning, I think I sent her kind of a deck when I didn't have any branding on it. And she was like, I'm in, I love this. And she's actually the one that has been, you know, pivotal in like getting us into Air One Thrive Market. She's the one that reached out to the target buyer. So I have this incredible support system of people who I think really believe in Kind Root and me and are working with me. What were some of the biggest takeaways from your previous career background that you applied to Kind Root? I did a lot of like product development and branding um, work before. So I sort of, I knew how to create a brand. Like I knew how to brief designers and work with them. They also had a pretty good grasp of like margins, retail pricing, wholesale pricing, but things that were new were like permits and business insurance and setting up like QuickBooks on accounting very quickly. Like the things I knew, I feel like shrunk down to maybe 15%. And I was like learning the other 85 that actually comprised like more of a volume of things that I was doing every day. 
it's so impressive to me, like all the hats an entrepreneur has to wear when they're starting a business. So what would you say to someone who's kind of like intimidated to start their company mm-hmm. because they feel like they don't know the accounting aspect mm-hmm. of the business and they, they're not sure if they can wear all these hats, but they have an idea and they want to take that step? I would just say you will figure it out. When you do think of like running a business, like it, it can feel really overwhelming. Um, but the truth is that it's like in the beginning, your accounting is going to be so minimal you'll figure it out. And then by the time you get to it, like I now have a bookkeeper and same kind of goes for like manufacturing. I mean, I started off by shipping on my own and now I have a third-party logistics provider that does it for me. So I would say like, you will figure out enough to get you going. And then there's just going to be a point where you'll decide to bring somebody in. I have some really amazing partners now. I've had some not great partners. It's just like kind of part of a learning curve. And then again, there's a lot of people in the community who will help you. And I had a call with a friend of mine who's another entrepreneur who was like, did all this work with affiliate marketing and she literally walked me through it, right? And then I did something on Amazon and I was like, let me show you how I'm doing this. So you're going to meet people who will help you and get you, get you there. Um, I read on your website that KindRoot has a great community program. I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about how you created that and what it's all about. Yeah, I know, definitely. So we have, um, you know, from the beginning, like I was really focused on bringing in people into the brand who were excited about it. I just had people reaching out to me, whether they were like registered dietitians or they were health and wellness or they were herbalists. And they were like, I love the product. I want to promote it. Is there a way for us to sort of partner? And I was like, I don't know. How do we partner? Like, you know, I can't pay you. And a lot of them were like, no, no, I mean, I would do it just in exchange for product. Like, I really believe in it. Um, and so we have this program where people can join. It's on our website under community. They don't actually even have to have a really large social following. Like, we have a lot of, like, nutritionists who work with people one-on-one. And we send them gifts and product updates. They are part of kind of, like, our sampling program. So any new flavor, you know, they're getting samples. Yeah, it's just been really a great, great partnership that came quite organically. Yeah, that's so cool that people are coming to you and like, they're just genuinely excited about the product and like it. What is your ultimate goal for KindRoot? We obviously want to continue expanding into new accounts and there's so much room for growth. That's exciting. Now that, you know, we have some good tests going with like Target.com, obviously like launching in Target retail one day would be like absolute dream. So I think that's pretty clear. I mean, one of the things that I'm working on now that I haven't been able to get to for the past two years, which actually is a passion of mine, is having that community touch. So I'm actually going to be partnering with a really great local organization that's focused on community gardens and herbal education and a lot of that. And they're here in Long Beach. And so we're really going to be doing things that matter. So it's not just like donating 1% of sales to a bigger organization, but I'm talking to them about providing money, but helping them build like flour and vegetable beds in some of the elementary schools here. And they actually go and work with kids and, you know, teach them how to sort of be sustainable. And so I want to be like on the board of that, but also be there and like doing it and supporting them both with monetary contribution, but also like with my, my time and outreach. What a cool initiative. I love that idea. It's so unique too, because like you said, it goes a little further than just donating a percentage Mm -hmm. of proceeds. Mm -hmm. You're actually kind of on the ground impacting people like firsthand. So I think that's a great idea. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Finally, I would like to close out by asking you to provide one piece of advice for the audience. 
So has there been a memorable moment in your career journey where you learned a valuable lesson on entrepreneurship? So it's interesting because when I kind of was like going to start the business and I was talking to a friend about, you know, there's a lot of anxiety with starting something in your own, right? And so he told me, he said, well, you should just think of it not as like starting a business or doing crazy things, but you should think about it as like betting on yourself. And that's ultimately what you're what you're doing. And I, I was like, oh, that's actually really, really interesting. That later became Root for Yourself, which is actually one of the like taglines that we have for the brand. But I, I, there was a time I was working for this like startup that was run by these like absolutely crazy people and they were doing everything wrong. And I remember like sitting and just thinking, you know, like, oh my God, like, I can't believe like they have a company, they're getting investors and it's literally just like the biggest hot mess ever. And I realized in that time that like the thing that separated them from people who maybe had better idea or better management skills from being where they're at is just like they had the confidence to go for it I mean that was literally the only thing that was like different right because I was like there's no reason this whole place should work in any way kind of shape or form um and for me that was just something that I like really try to remind myself and stick to um is that you know oftentimes like the difference isn't your education or good ideas or capabilities. It's like a lot of times it's just action. Um, and it's just like doing, starting something, even doing one thing. And I still try to mind myself about that every day because there's days when I'm like not motivated and I just tell myself, I'm like, okay, like I just need to accomplish these five things and it's fine. And what happens more than usual is like, that just starts that dynamic process of like you putting yourself out there, you getting things done. And like the momentum at some point just kind of starts to kind of carry you too. So I just, I hope everybody looks at starting a company in that way and, and just kind of does it one day at a time and truly believes in themselves. Even if you have to fake the confidence in the beginning, mm-hmm. I feel like that's why there is that saying, you know, fake it till you make it because it right. does, if other people see you as confident, your ideas will be presented in that way. And just taking those simple actions, like you said, even though you might feel like scared or like you're not ready, but just going for it. um, I think obviously what you've done is testament to that. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, I would love it if you could please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and KindRoot online and on social media. Yeah, no, thank you. Obviously KindRoot.com and we're on Instagram under KindRoot. You can follow us on TikTok. I'm horrible at it. I'm getting better. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. So we're there at Kind Root uh, Gems. Um, and then, you know, I would say on our website, sign up for our newsletter because we um, share a lot of fun content. We have a great newsletter where um, we interview different herbalists and wellness experts. So there's kind of a lot of ways to stay in touch with us and get value, even if you don't, if you don't purchase our product. Thank you so much to Elisa for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.